Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Welcome to the weekly convo, the show where we take everyday subjects and sprinkle them with the essence of conversation. Let's get straight to it. Come on, in today's show. Now, before we get started, um, you may have noticed that you are listening or watching to a new season of the weekly convo, season two to be precise. And since we started a new season, we thought we'll make a few changes to our show. So we pretty much scrapped the three segments we had in season one and replaced them with one segment interviews. Now, let's just get straight into it because my guest tonight is a person with many, many achievements. Believe me, we have like two pages of them. And now, but his most recent achievement is his translation of the majestic Quran in plain English. So, without further ado, please welcome Dr. Mashaf Hussain. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Khatib, I'm really delighted to be here on your show today. Uh, the, the, the pleasure is mine. Uh, we have been looking forward to this um, interview for quite a long time now, but uh, you are, mashallah, a very influential figure. Your, your, your success from YouTube has ranked up millions of views. So, I mean, what is there not, like, what is there not to like about you? Um, but yeah, I mean, let's just get uh, straight to the point because you are a, mashallah, a very big um, scholar in uh, the U- United Kingdom. You've done so many... Um, uh, you've done so many books and uh, let's just go through a few of them. You have... Uh, done. This is one second. Let's get to the other side. See, so you've done um, Al Isra Wal Miraj. You explain the context, purpose, and meaning of the wonderful night journey. You've done the tragedy of Karbala, Milad, Molan Ahmad, Reza Khan, Borelwi. There's so many uh, books that you have done for your community, and uh, yeah, we do welcome that. Uh, so let's just uh, begin with your life in youth. Uh, so you. Uh, came, uh, you were born in 1958, but you came to England in 1966 and during your teens. So I think the big question is, how did the British people view you as, a, as you part of a minority group and you were a Muslim? So what discrimination did you face? Did you face any racial abuse? So what did you face at that time? Well, Khatib, uh, Britain in the 60s uh, was uh, you know, just coming out of the war, uh, there was rebuilding going on, uh, and there was a scarcity of labor, and that is why my father, like uh, many other, other millions of uh, people from Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, uh, and from Caribbeans, from the Commonwealth, uh, were invited to come and work in the mills, factories, and to actually rebuild Britain. Uh, so we were really here to uh, rebuild Britain, and we did that uh, a great job. So the 60s was a, also the time of, uh, you know, racism was at, at its height. Uh, you know, the uh, race, equality, race equality bill came later on uh, in the late uh, 60s and early 70s, actually. So um, it was a, quite a tough time. You know, I remember, you know, we used to actually have a, uh, fights in the school. Uh, where, you know, it would be the Goras and the Pakis. You yeah, know, I mean, as, as I like mean, that. Sadly, that is how you know bad it was, and teachers were actually quite okay of calling you Paki as well. Yeah, and, I mean, and, to be and, honest, it's quite a lot of <laughs> there was it was normalized to be honest at that time because obviously slavery was at peak there as well, so it was normalized. You know, they, they had no sense of remorse, sense of guilt over saying these um, racial um, slurs t- towards uh, the minority groups. Yes, it was. Uh, but, you know, there was something else I, I noticed. Uh, this is 60s and uh, 70s where people 
have uh, certain Christian values still. There was some religiosity. I would actually never see a, a women, you know, elderly women without a, a scarf. I can imagine these are goris there, no? Yeah. Goris, you know, they were wearing uh, they were wearing uh, scarves. You know, that was normal. You know, you would never see anyone without it. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Now you see yes. uh, elderly women just dressing like normal, uh, yes, with, with, along with the social norms of values yeah. now. To so be it was, and, and they had a respect for religion. So, uh, you know, we used to, uh, in my teenage years, I used to do a lot of um, sort of preaching. Uh, and we actually used to go to the churches and, you know, we used to tell them that they should be Muslims. <laughs> Obviously, you would never do that nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, you would be much more, uh, you know, it's more about interfaith. You know, we, we, we invite, actually, we invite still, we invite not Christians to have a mosque. You know that. You know, we yeah, have, yeah, of we course, have yeah. the local church regularly. You know, we have... A, in fact, we have a faiths in action of Muslim Christian interfaith organization. Uh, but it was different in those days. You know, we could be very bold and we could actually go out and say to them, you know, this is the best religion. You should be really Muslims. Uh, so, yes, it was a, quite an, uh, challenging as well. Okay. But at the same time, there was respect for religion and, and, and sense of religiosity there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, during those times, the 1960s, there wasn't much technological influence now you see nowadays because at that time, science wasn't ice peak. I mean, apart from NASA's and the space achievements, in terms of explaining um, common questions that you have today, that science now explains them. Before that time, religion played a big part in everyone's life from uh, daily practices to praying. Now, in, especially now we see in a social, sociological perspective, people tend to use religion when they need it and it's not part of their everyday life. I think uh, what has happened is um, ignorance. You know, that's what it is about religion. Um, when you don't know something, you are not going to really benefit from it. And, and that's the thing with the religion today. You know, there is a lot of ignorance of the values that religion stands for. Uh, you know, for example, what does religion stand for? Well, religion is there to protect you from harm really, the harm of drugs, the harm of uh, gambling, the harm of adultery and sexual perversity that is now so prevalent and in, in fact it's destroying people's lives, you know. Uh, and this is a very, very serious issue. You know, when we see young people are not happy, they're not happy because someone has t completely disturbed their sexual orientation, sexual um, feelings uh, and uh, sexual well-being. It's totally gone uh, w bonkers, really. And, and they've gone off the scale, you know. And it's not just the testosterone, which is uh, obviously high in young people, but it's all the other uh, factors which are actually heightening and inflaming and exciting young people. Uh, and and uh, it disturbs them mentally, uh, psychologically, uh, and, of course, that then results in physical abuse and, and, and physical health problems. Yeah, I mean, the, especially with social media nowadays, you know, there's, there's all sorts of um, transmission of cultural norms across different countries, and that's had a big influence on young uh, teens especially. Uh, since from, uh, you can remember, the 1970s, 1980s, the, you have the traditional stereotypes have been pretty much transmitted everywhere across the world uh, since television was introduced. So at, even uh, with the... Without social media, just television alone, just the media has such a big influence that just distorted everyone's perception of, the re of reality. 
That's right. Yeah, the media, obviously, and, and the BBC uh, is a very powerful former of new culture, of uh, new lifestyles, and uh, it really has a huge impact. And I think this is why, uh, you know, we were very careful, actually. Um, in, in our days, 60s and 70s, you had black and white uh, TVs, all right, at most. Which, uh, I mean, I was very anti-TV um, uh, throughout my teenagers, actually. <clears throat> And I think it was later on that I began to watch. My favorite was Star Trek. Yeah. So we used to do that. It had just come out. And so that was the uh, uh, only sort of uh, program that I, I, I would uh, watch, really. Um, but yes, you know, the, uh, we, we had this notion that you've got to avoid um, TV uh, because it, it was negative. Cinemas, of course, were out of bound completely, yeah, no? Although those was the days of, uh, I think they used to, uh, is it Bollywood? The yeah, Indian? Yeah, yeah. Bollywood. Bollywood yeah, yeah. The Indian films are very popular and, uh, you know, um, in, in, uh, we didn't have a cinema in Halifax, but in Bradford they had it. And so people used to go and watch it. Uh, so, but it, it wasn't something that uh, I did. So we were, alhamdulillah, very protected. And I think there was a very clear sense of taqwa, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I was taught that when you are going to sc- school and to the masjid or outside, you should be saying, Ya Hayyu, Ya Qiyum, Ya Hayyu, Ya Qiyum. So that was my word, okay? Word is uh, something, uh, you know, beautiful formulae that are repeated again and again. So, Ya Hayyu, Ya Qiyum, Ya Hayyu, Ya Qiyum. Yeah, because that gets you into the mood. It gets you yeah. think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala straight away. Or the uh, everlasting, the, you know, the one who keeps others going as well. Uh, and, and, you know, that protects you. Uh, and, of course, when we used to see the pub or the church, you know, we used to say, Allahi al-Kadhibin, you know, and we was very, very sort of um, geared towards, you know, protecting. There was a sense that, uh, you know, there is a, you know, your faith is, is under attack. I, mean, I think we've lost that sort of sense. I, think, I yeah. think one of the reasons for it is, like, a lot of young people nowadays aren't educated about their religion. They're not, they're not close with God, so... They don't feel like they need to learn more about it, so they keep moving far yeah. away from it. Well, it comes back to that ignorance, isn't it, really? And I think we, this is where we need to educate ourselves, and uh, that's been one of my big missions throughout. You know, How do uh, I share that education that I have learned, uh, you know, both in my, by doing my hifs, my love of the Qur'an, my teaching of the Qur'an, and then studying uh, the best qaris to the best... Uh, translator and Mufassir to the greatest Islamic institution of the world, Al-Azhar, uh, you know, to learn the Qur'an. So I wanted to share that and I have been doing that through, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, to be honest, as you said about your reciting zikr, I mean, that just, just doing that reminds you that everyone's going to go back to the grave someday. Everyone's going to go back to where they came from, which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that kind of puts, you, puts everything into perspective that whatever happens in this dunya is temporary. You know, uh, if you were to do something, uh, let's say, Im- Im- uh, immediate grat- gratification, the idea that if you want, if, if you do something, you want, you want the reward straight away. But with Islam, with the religion, it's different. Because, um, for example, let's say, if Jannah is obviously every Muslim's uh, ultimate goal. But to get that, there's so much work have to be involved. You have to dedicate yourself, you have to avoid haram stuff, you have to avoid sinful things. And to do that, I think that's what put, uh, puts people off. Uh, about, okay, well, hang on a minute, you know, Jannah is, of course, a long way away. 
I don't know how long I'm going to live, but the problem is that people say, okay, science says this, science says that. And that kind of distorts the reality saying, okay, so if, if science says I'm going to live until 70 years of my life, I've got 20 years, I've, at least I can do in my 20 years, first 20 years, I can do whatever I want. Because I know for a fact that in the, after that I can you know, make up for it. I think just about science and religion, let's be very clear that um, you know, science is the observation of nature, it's the study of God's creation really, how things work. And how can we benefit from them? That's what it is. It's actually no contender of, with religion. It is not alternative to religion. It is actually a very powerful means of making your faith even stronger. For me, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, science has been a, something that has made me uh, rise in my faith and to reach the second level. You know, the first level of faith, you know, we are told is Ainul Yaqeen. Uh, sorry, ilmul uh, yaqeen. You know, the surah, the uh, talks about that. Ilmul yaqeen. You have the knowledge of something. You know something, okay? You just know it. You've heard about it. You know it, right? But when you actually experience it, observe it, that becomes, you know, that's what science is. That is the mushahada. That is called ainul yaqeen. We all want to have that. And when you actually do that, Experiment when you experience something, then it is actually of a different level. All right, so I, I can I, I can see this uh, delightful laddu here. Okay, <laughs> ambala laddu. All right. I mean, uh, but, every one of them to be but, honest. But uh, when you actually taste it, that's something different. Yeah, of course, you know, yeah. you, you can't compare your knowledge and your imagination of the sweetness, the delightful taste, uh, and all that. Until you actually experience, until you taste it. So, uh, you know, um, uh, so, so science helps you in many ways, actually, to increase your faith to the next level of Ainul Yaqeen. And we live in the age of science and technology, an gr- amazing age, to be honest, in which uh, we are all can achieve that Ainul Yaqeen, which previous uh, generations would have taken a long, long time. Which means that, you know, our faith in Allah's creativity and what the Qur'an keeps on telling us about, He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Okay? He is the one who established these amazing Kilimanjaro and these amazing Himalayas and these amazing Snowdonia mountains. He's the one who put these here. Okay? He's the one... You know, who created these most beautiful jasmine flowers, the, the sweet-scented rose, uh, and, and, and these glowing worms, you know. And you begin to say, subhanAllah, you ex- we are now, all of us, you know, we, we now can see the world um, of, uh, because science helps us. Well, what science does is actually it sharpens our eyes, it sharpens our hearing, it sharpens it our does, yeah. senses really. That's all it does. It's not a, there's no magic in it. It's really about that. And so what we're doing is we are now witnessing. So which is an amazing state to be in. The Prophet wasallam is called Shaheed, the witness. Okay? And he's going to be our witness on the Day of Judgment. And Allah says, nas. So you Muslims will be the witnesses against the rest of humanity. Okay? Because you will have seen, you know, they were disobeying God. And you were inviting them. But the question is, are we doing that? <laughs> are we inviting people 
yeah, to Allah. And, and, and I think that's a very serious question, which, you know, young people should really, now they are seeing signs showing them the power of God. So science is, it, it, it's, um, it, it's no contender, it's no competitive to religion. It's actually our tool. And it was. It was invented by the Muslims. Science yeah, yeah, is of course it was. Of, yeah. It, yeah. Quran, it's a product of the Quran, to be honest. And even today, you know, when we read some amazing passages, you know, one I came across when I was translating uh, the Quran was, وَأَنزَلْنَا الْحَدِيدِ you know, which is about, Allah says, we sent down the iron. And all of the previous translations in the past and Mufassirin have been talking about, you know, the Quran says, we sent down, but they said, no, no, this means we created the iron. But, you know, about 60 years ago, science learned that, uh, you know, the, all the elements on earth are actually stardust. They come from stars. <laughs> they came yeah. down. So I hope you can see, you know, what the Quran is so, it's the accuracy of the Quran. Yeah, the Quran is very accurate. All the people, I, I said to you, people in the past couldn't understand it. But me and you now, when the scientists say the iron, the gold element, the silver, cobalt, manganese, magnesium, calcium, sodium, all of them came from Stardust. Stars. They, they came from the stars. They were created there. Allah sent them down here. And subhanAllah, you know, this is the accuracy. Yet, uh, yet you would say, well, Allah, those people before us couldn't understand this. And Allah says, well, that's fine. <laughs> okay. I want, the, and, and, and you know, the, the, the Quran predicts this, that this deen will flourish and will remain till the last day. Okay. It is Allah who sent his deen and the messenger. Why? To make them prevail, predominate, and to be the winners over all other religions. No other religion can now stand uh, you know, alongside Islam in, in terms of its spirituality or its moral or social values, not a, not a religion. It is so perfect, so amazing, so impactful, actually. Okay. So that's why we're so lucky. It's like a lot of the time in, in school we learn science versus religion. Christianity and how people's beliefs were changing by Islam, we know that it goes hand in hand with science. And well, develops. you see, you're right, Azim. What has happened is Christianity has got lots of false ideas about science. False ideas, like for example, that human beings are only six thousand years old. All right, yeah. <laughs> now, those are completely out yeah. of uh, you know their imagination. All right, and they've got um, the, you know they had this idea of flat Earth as well, yeah. uh, and, and, and that f- idea that the sun goes around our Earth. Okay, rather yeah, than yeah. the Earth going around yeah. the sun. That so was, this was the, a Christian that, idea. That was one of the uh, theories that they developed. Well, yes, and uh, uh, Galileo. Uh, obviously refuted it, so did Copernicus and so on. But uh, and, and so it was really Christianity against religion, not Islam, you know. And, and as, as I say, science is no contender, it's no competition. We are actually, Islam is a very rational, reasonable thinking and demands that, you know, we use aql, we're not superstitious people. Yeah, I mean, I just want to move on to your um, education and qualifications because um, as, you, as you said before about the racial abuse and 
Okay, so you, um, so I'm sure you aspired to become my scholar in Islam uh, whilst you were in your teens because you memorized and became Hafiz whilst you were in during teenage years. But the question is, uh, you did a degree in biochemistry in Aston University. Uh, how did you balance your Islamic life, your studies, and even with teenagers? Um, That's a very good question. Uh, I, I I was very fortunate, mashallah. I said to you that uh, you know my word was. Ya hayyu ya qayyum, ya hayyu ya qayyum, you know, day in and day out. You know, you know, and there's a saying amongst the people of Allah that uh, the, the person who does, a person without a word is kird. A person without word is a kird. kird. Without word is a kird. You know what a kird is? Kird is a monkey, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's saying that if you don't have a word, you can't be person of Allah, all right? I mean, that, I mean, that I mean, is I mean, really... That, that's a very nice comparison, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, we need words. Seriously, you know, we live in an age where uh, people want to be monkeys. They claim to be the children of monkeys. Well, fine, let them. I, I have no problem with them. You know, those who have that notion and want to be like that, that's their claim and they can have that. That's their choice. We believe, you know, we are the children of Adam, alayhi salam, who was created, you know, very specially as Khalifatullah, divine representative on earth. And we, our deen says, our purpose is to khalluq bi akhlaqillah, is to become godlike. All right, that's a, it's not shirk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> become godlike means, you know, Allah is kareem. You have to be the one who does karam. Allah is rahim, the caring. You should be carer. Okay? You should care for your parents, you should care for your children, you should care for your friends, your neighbors, your human beings, you should care for the animals, you should care for this wonderful earth. Yeah, because Which you, of get, course you we get swap for it. Yeah, you get so much reward. And people, I think a lot of people underestimate a lot of um, good things that they can do in this world because they, they think it's such a small act. So how can it be worth a lot of um, swab? But there's so many, because uh, I read a quote uh, about a few days ago that says, you could be sleeping whilst someone, uh, whilst angels could be knocking on the doors of heaven from supplications from a person you helped or a person you helped uh, because they were distressed, they were uh, sad or they were lonely. Yes. So a lot of people underestimate even just saying hello, how are you to a person. That that can contain so much sawab. Khatib, you really hit it on the head. That <laughs> caring is about actually going out of your uh, self-centered little I, me, and mine. Okay, and you look bigger at the bigger world. You go outside your uh, own self, and 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 that is really amazing. That's empathy. That's kindness. That is you know, what what drives you to actually do great things. You can't do great things if you don't actually have that. Well, you see, you know, you had people like Michael Jackson, you had Elvis, what was that guy? Elvis Elv Presley. Elvis, yeah, in, in my days, your name was very popular, yeah. <laughs> everywhere, you know, people used to imitate him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and all these guys, but what happened to them? There were people who couldn't get out of their self. They were self-centered people. And as a consequence... They couldn't do anything great, Jen. You know, until you look beyond yourself and you want to really benefit others, you cannot be great. And you see, this is what goes wrong with a lot of young people. Um, you know, when they see wealth, material things, uh, and, and worldly pleasures, and fame, they think that's great. It's, it, it isn't. 
you know, that no, is no, it, it, it can it consume you big time. Absolutely, it destroys people. You know, it does, yeah. and we know that it's you know, la mashallah. You know, there's some very lucky people who can avoid you know being famous and also avoid the trappings of that. Uh, and and but we we know very well. I think it's a well-known phenomenon how these people are destroyed. Why? Because they become self-centered, inward-looking, pleasure-seeking, hedonistic. That's what the word is, hedonistic. Hedonistic means, you know, pleasure-seeking people. And Avadin is about telling us, yes, we have pleasures in life because Allah has made those for us to enjoy. But, you know, there is a balance to be created. And for young people, this is really where the mistakes are made, you know. And and this is why, you know, in Avadin, uh, you know, we are told to get married early on so we can avoid uh, falling into the traps of the shaitan. You know, the shaitan is very clever. Uh, he uses all these uh, luring uh, techniques of trapping us. And, yeah, and, the shaitan is very, very yes, clever. And, and sexuality is one of those. In, you know, immodesty, indecency uh, are all the techniques the shaitan uses to trap us. And, and we really need to be really careful. You know, this was another thing in my days, you know, in the 60s and 70s, how modest we were. Uh, modest means sharam wale, you know, people with sharam. You look down, you know, you don't stare at people, uh, you know, you keep yourself private in that sense and you, you, you show respect for other people's privacy as well. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-haya'u min al-iman. Haya is decency, modesty, is part of your faith. And he said, when you lose this, then you will be free to do any evil. You will fall into traps once you lose haya. And this is what's happening to this society now. It is becoming be-haya society, to be honest. It is an indecent society. And it's, it's going to, you know, they call it sex revolution, but it is a destructive revolution that is actually going to finish off family. It's an existential question now. <laughs> Will we have human beings left after four or five generations? You know, that yeah, is it's, the question. It's a big question because a lot of people are getting married lately. Yeah. Uh, very late in the 30s but I mean unfortunately we are running out of time but I mean we could talk for hours on this, this is such a big issue that's prevalent in many countries around the world um, but I mean I think the I think the, what we can take from this is that as long as you remember your deen as long as you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through zikr um, then as as long as you have that mindset that our dunya is temporary because our real goal is jannah um, but I mean, thank you for coming along. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's, we had a pleasure talking to you. And, um, yes, so that is the all for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As we have, if you have any questions or improvements, then please do email us info at radiodon.com. And inshallah, we will see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu.